She leads the the College Compact. Um, she's the executive director of the Vivo Foundation, which was an early partner uh, and funder of of Hope Chicago. And uh, as I said, leads the College Compact, which I think you're going to hear a little bit more about. So please welcome to introduce our speaker, Mara Botman. Thank you, Mara. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. So I see a lot of universities in the room, so I want to start with a little bit of data so you can write it down if you want. Um, if current rates hold, one in four current CPS ninth graders will complete a college degree within 10 years. That said, three in five CPS graduates enrolled in college last year, leaving far too many with some college and no degree and many more that didn't get through the maze that is the college enrollment process. For those who have been tracking this for some time, there's some reason for optimism. High school graduation rates, test scores, GPAs continue to increase. College enrollment continues to increase. Indeed, over the past you know, 20 years, we've seen a 20% increase in CPS graduation rates, which I think is worth applauding on. We've also seen a 12% increase in college enrollment rates, which is awesome as well, and worth applauding on. That said, college completion rates among graduates are stubbornly stagnant. We have not seen an increase in that. So in case you missed the headline, a lot of data, we've got students who are more ready than ever. We have students who are enrolling at unprecedented rates but our completion rates are flat. That's where Dr. Jackson comes in. I first met Dr. Jackson when we were working on something called the Chicago Roadmap, a collaboration between Chicago Public Schools and City Colleges of Chicago. What struck me most about Dr. Jackson's approach was her willingness to implement approaches on behalf of our children that previously were thought of as too something, too hard, too complicated, too expensive, too whatever all with a smile on her face, and a few years later, evidence of incredible success. From my lens, I could not be more ecstatic to have her and the entire team at Hope Chicago leadership in the college completion space. I had some fancy words, but all I can say is, we need you. <laughs> so, while they wouldn't give me the full presentation beforehand, what I think we're about to hear is some incredible evidence of what they're doing. And I hope we're all here to learn because I'm going to be taking some notes and I'm so excited to hear what it's to come. One other thing which is not in my notes. Can you raise your hand if you're a student here? How many of you have internships for this summer? How many of you need internships for this summer? So when we're done, come find an adult in the room. We'll hook you up. Here's the video. It's very um, almost uh, dream crushing because some students do get accepted in the schools they want, but they can't afford it. People are asking us, like, what school do y'all want to go to and stuff like that? And then we just, it's just in our mind, like, the school that give us the most money. And that might not even be the school that we really want to go to. I've got accepted to universities. It's just I don't want to, you know, be like, yes, I'm going to enroll. 
when I don't even have the money to pay for it. So it's, I don't want to be in debt before I graduate. I know that my family, like, I know they will make it happen um, when it comes to money, but I just don't want them to carry the burden of tuition because the cost is so high. hope you all missed that. I was like, is it time for me to go up there? This is, this is what happens when you don't have 25 people telling you what to do uh, every single day. Um, but just kidding. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for being here today. Um, and let's give a big round of applause for the students featured in this video as well as the Hope Scholars that are here today. It's also nice to be here and see so many familiar faces, people that I haven't seen in a while. So thank you guys for supporting me. And I want to give a special shout out to President Preckwinkle for making time to be here today. I feel like I get to say this um, because I got the microphone. She told me I was the best superintendent we ever had in CPS. If you agree with her, make some noise. I just had to get that on record in case you were just telling me that to make me feel good today. Um, but, but again, in all seriousness, um, I want to say thank you for being here and listening to our Hope Scholars. Um, if you're like me, it's really heartbreaking to hear stories like that where students who have essentially done every single thing that we've asked them to do struggle with the next step um, after high school. Um, some of them have made choices uh, that weren't their top choices because of money. And worst of all, some of them have made the choice not to go to college. And I hate to say it out loud, but some of them have very good reason for making that choice and that's something that we're going to talk about today. I also believe strongly that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, like Mara said in her introductory remarks, this work is extremely difficult, but it is possible if we all just believe in our students and believe in the future and make those investments. And so before I jump into my speech today, I just want to kind of set the stage and make sure everybody is kind of in the place where I am, which is when I look around the city of Chicago and see um, what's going on for our youth, whether that be the prospects or lack of prospects, I'm always thinking about the ideas. Where is the big idea? Raise your hand if you can think of the last time you heard of a really good idea. I'm not going to make you say it out loud, but something that's really life-changing for students. Raise your hand. It's okay, Brad. Some of you need to be raising your hand because you run organizations where you <laughs> are doing things. And then keep it up if it actually happened. There is so much space to get things done in this city, and our children are counting on us. And so the last time that I was here was August of 2019, right before the school year. And I was here celebrating the beginning of a school year like we traditionally do. As superintendents, and I was talking about the work that we were doing to improve learning outcomes for our children. Little did I know that would be the craziest year probably in history and in public schooling, but at the time, pre-pandemic, I was here talking about how we have raised standards in CPS, how we were doing a better job supporting and training our teachers, retaining principals, boosting graduation rates, boosting test scores, and really making a remarkable difference for the students who attended Chicago Public 
public schools. If you heard me speak during that time, I often cited a national study that showed that Chicago public schools was the fastest growing big city school district in the country. And that was a fact that I was deeply proud of as a student who was raised up in the school system. I taught in the school system, led schools here, and then had the opportunity of a lifetime to lead as a superintendent before transitioning into my new role. I stand here today in a new role with, with a new uh, place in this ecosystem here in Chicago as the CEO of Hope Chicago. I feel incredibly honored to have this opportunity because when I transitioned from CPS, I had a lot of options, but nothing checked the boxes personally and professionally like Hope Chicago. And in the short period of time, we've been able to amass a great group of people who make this stuff work every day. We've been able to raise a significant amount of capital in order to support the 4,000 students and families that we are supporting it through Hope Chicago. And we're making sure that our students, yeah, let's give a round of applause for our kids. And we're making sure that not only do our students have an opportunity to access a debt-free post-secondary education, they also, we're also offering that opportunity to their parents. And that, to me, was the moment when I heard the best new big idea for the city of Chicago. And it's an honor to be leading that work and talking to you about that today. Hope Chicago is the dream of two individuals, Pete Cadence and Ted Koenig, um, who could not be here today. They're both traveling. Must be nice. That's what I told both of them when they said they wouldn't be in town today. Um, but if you know them, you know they are super passionate about education. And what I love about working with them is that I didn't have to convince them that education matters. Those of us who work in the education space know sometimes you can have a series of awkward and grueling conversations where you're trying to convince people of the power of education. Pete and Ted were inspired by promised programs like Hope Chicago that were happening all across the country and wondered why we weren't doing it here in Chicago. They viewed the rising cost of college not only as a barrier, but also as a civil rights issue, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Pete and Ted also recruited an outstanding board of directors and donor base to really spearhead this work, and I would be remiss if I did not thank them today. So if you are a board member for Hope Chicago, please raise your hand or stand so that you can be acknowledged. I know they're across the room. They're in here. They're all acting shy. I also want to acknowledge the amazing team that works with me every single day. You see my big face every day talking about Hope Chicago, but really I'm just here talking about the work that a group of amazing people do every single day. And so I really want to acknowledge the Hope Chicago staff at this time. If you would raise your hand or stand. They're all sitting over here making sure I don't mess up. So in our first year for Hope Chicago, um, we partnered with five CPS high schools, and we've seen remarkable progress already. The percentage of students enrolling in post-secondary programs in just one year, we made the announcement in February, students were enrolling in college a couple of months later, jumped from 57% to 74%. Nearly a third of them are attending some of the most competitive colleges here in the state. I make that point because oftentimes when we talk about college access, we make it more complicated than it is. And at the end of the day, it really is about money, and we know that to be true. Our second cohort is graduating from high school this month, which we're super excited about, and they too will be going off to college this fall. It's important to note that this program is not a program where we just cream off the top 
which a lot of scholarship programs tend to do. I feel like that was necessary in the beginning, but it's totally insufficient for the challenges that we face as a country going forward. We serve students across the entire spectrum. And when we made this announcement and gave students a debt-free opportunity, we saw increases across the academic spectrum, but we saw the largest increases coming from the academic middle. And to be clear, we are not getting students into college. They're doing that on their own through the help of their teachers, their counselors, and their principals, and their parents. They've done all of the hard work. What we have done is really provided an opportunity for them to do this without the risk that I'm going to talk about in just a second. Our scholars come from low-income families across the city. More than 80% of them will be the first in their family to go to college. And some of them told us that they were not even thinking about going to college until the Hope Chicago announcement occurred. The cost of college has continued to rise by nearly 1,400% since 1978. That is more than three times the rate of inflation. What has not increased is the amount of aid and support that low-income students need in order to graduate, I mean, in order to go to school and graduate without being saddled with a bunch of debt. Nine out of ten low-income students who are first generation will enroll in college and drop out. For those of you who have trouble with math, that's 10%. So stick with me. And those who do do finish and get over the uh, finish line and earn a degree, about 61% of them leave with a bunch of debt, about $30,000 here in the state of Illinois. It takes them decades, sometimes a lifetime, sometimes it doesn't even happen, to pay it off. And it also delays other life improvement activity, improving activities like buying a new home or saving for retirement or making investments that would make them have a better economic outlook. And at this very moment, when more and more jobs require a degree or some kind of um, post-secondary credential, we still have people asking the question, is college really worth it? And let me tell you, when I hear that question, it burns me up. I'm not going to lie. Anybody that has asked that question probably was on the other side of a visceral response from me. But if I'm being honest, it's a rational question, especially given the state of um, higher ed today. One of the first things I learned when I signed up for this is that our students and families are incredibly discerning. And we don't give them enough, enough credit for that. They're doing the math, and as the kids say, the math ain't mathing. And when they compare that, and they know that the likelihood of them completing college and being successful is very slim, they are unwilling to take that risk. For some of them, it's a very sound economic decision. It's unfortunate because we know that a college degree is absolutely worth it, and some of my Disdain for that question comes from the fact that we would never ask that question for any student in our care, any of our children, or anybody that we, quite frankly, give a damn about. We only ask those questions about whether or not college is worth it when we're talking about black and brown students and students who come from low-income backgrounds, and it's time to stop doing that. But like Mara said... I always have an opinion. I'm always willing to do complicated things, but I always believe it has to be undergirded by research. So we wanted to put that idea to the test and really figure out what is the economic benefit for a program like Hope Chicago. We recently commissioned a study of the impact of Hope Chicago on both the city, the state, as well as the individual participants in the program. Today we are making those results public, and I have to say that they are simply remarkable. It is no surprise that a college degree can boost lifetime earnings. That has already been well documented. 
What we found for Hope Chicago compared to similar students in high schools in the city, that they will earn an extra $167,000 over the course of a lifetime. But the positive effects extend to taxpayers and citizens too. Chicago and Illinois, uh, Chicago and Illinois residents can expect a return on investment from Hope Chicago students. They will contribute, contribute an additional $4,000 in additional city and state taxes over a lifetime. 40,000. What did I say? Oh, 40. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. And what other positive societal impacts such as improved health care, um, lower crime, lower violence, and, re and a reduction on the need for public assistance. When you factor all these things in, they also save the city and state an additional $215,000 for each student. For the first cohort of students that are enrolled in college right now, this is a total economic impact of $140 million. And we're just getting started. That's a message for the people that have invested already, too, so thank you. <laughs> the study found that for every dollar that we invest in our program, we generate more than $4 in economic and social benefits. We're committed to making college debt-free, uh, debt-free college available to all of our students in the four high schools, but we also want to be able to expand that to other schools across the city, as well as other grade levels in these five high schools. So the answer to the question, is college worth it, I would say absolutely. But it shouldn't come at a high cost. People that have heard me talk about this often hear me lament about the fact that if our children were born in Canada, Germany, Israel, and other Western developed countries, we wouldn't even need Hope Chicago. Because once again, just like we are in healthcare, so behind on providing the basic needs that people need in order to have a strong quality of life. We have read the countless horror stories of market-driven colleges and convincing young people to take out loans in order to go to college, and they often drop out with a bunch of debt wrapped around their necks. Even non-for-profit college, which are the bulk of them, are increasingly more pricey and financially driven, and part of this is to pay for the expanded uh, administrative costs to run those institutions. Recognizing this problem, President Biden and the administration did take a step forward in reducing um, student loan debt against the $1.75 trillion debt that Americans hold today. This is an enormous factor uh, that is anchor, I'm sorry, around the necks of Gen Z, Millennial, and Gen Z. But we have an opportunity to do something greater and to fix this on the front end, and that's what Hope Chicago does. I always tell people, if you think of Hope Chicago as a scholarship program, you're missing the headline. Hope Chicago, at its core, is about eliminating economic disparities for black and Latino families. That is the core of our work. We are... You hear a lot of people talk about this focus on this work, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't result in a job or a way for people to take care of themselves and their families, we're just talking. Hope Chicago, in my opinion, is one of the best ways to do this and respond to the urgency that we see here in our great city. And I believe that we're just getting started and invite you to join us on this mission. Demographically, we're just one generation away in this country from majority of our residents being black and brown. If we want to continue to be uh, competitive from a global perspective, we have to make sure we educate this population. And at the rate that we're doing it now, we're falling extremely short. In 20 years, we'll be here like that. And if we don't start to make the necessary changes to educate this population, we have to ask the question, what does that mean for the global positioning of this country?
A new study from the University of Illinois at Chicago shows that unemployment in Chicago youth is rising especially amongst black youth. In fact, the jobless rate for black youth between the ages of 20 and 24 rose from 44% before the pandemic to an eye-popping 57% after the pandemic. What was most troubling for me is that the unemployment rate for black women in that group rose from 32% to 59%. And the story is even more bleak when we talk about black teens. The number is at an unbelievable 87% unemployment. I share this with you because oftentimes when we're making a decision between college or work, people pretend like there's some magical place that students go after high school where they make enough money to take care of themselves and family, and, and they don't acknowledge the fact that we're really sending them back into the cycles of poverty that they've been raised in. And so... I believe we have to do more to support our students, not only with college opportunity, but workforce opportunities. I want to take a minute to salute our new mayor, Brandon Johnson, for vowing to double. Yes, you can salute. For vowing to double the number of summer jobs for youth from 30,000 to 60,000. I think it's the right idea, and it feeds directly into what we're doing at Hope Chicago to give this generation a stronger start. But that's not all that we're doing at Hope Chicago. It's not just about giving them money and giving them the opportunity. We also provide this two-generational model, and we wrap them around with support. When parents go to school with their children, good things happen. They better understand the academic work, some of the mental challenges that our students go through, and they can rely on one another as a support system, and we have seen increases in persistence as a result of that. Part of the Hope Chicago Agreement is with 23 partner institutions here in Illinois, and I would be remiss if I did not give them a huge shout out. Many of them are in the room today, and I just want to thank all of the university partners in the great state of Illinois that have signed up to support our students. In addition to tuition discounts and other resources, they also provide additional wraparound supports for our students. Most of you know this is not how college is typically structured. There's very much a sink or swim type of mentality where the thought is if students get in, they have to get out. But those colleges that have signed up to be a part of this work have agreed, just like we have, to wrap our arms around students and really work to make sure that they are successful. Some of them have never been away from home, our students. Some of them, this is the first time they've ever taken on such a huge opportunity like this. Many of them are at institutions where most of the people don't look like them. And so it's really important for them to have additional support there so that they can make it through. It's no secret that our students suffered during the pandemic. Every indicator has gone in the wrong direction. Attendance rates are down. Grades do not look as good as they used to. Test scores are down. College graduation rates are down, as well as college enrollment rates. This is something that gives me great heartburn every single day. A new study out of Harvard and Stanford showed that the average public school student between grades three through eight lost an equivalent of a half year of learning in math and a quarter of a year in reading. Nate also published a study that showed that we've lost about 30 years of progress that we had made in academics. Unfortunately, like I said earlier, the response has been to look away. We can no longer do that. The pandemic is over. I was saying it about two years ago, but the, uh, they just officially said it was over a couple of weeks ago. So it's officially over. <laughs> and these problems won't magically fix themselves. And so we have to step up and do more. 
The school system that I once ran is now in flux. After three years with no accountability due to the pandemic, the board has dropped accountability altogether and given themselves two years to come up with something new. According to the newspapers, it's called soft accountability. I don't know exactly what that means. It's soft accountability for the adults in the system, but I can't help think of, I can't help but to think about the hard accountability that many of our students will face if we do not start to prioritize academic excellence, especially in the most disadvantaged schools in the city. this because as much as, as as important as the work is at Hope Chicago and the work that our institutions do, we have to make sure that our students are academically and socially prepared to take on this opportunity. It's not clear to me yet how we will continue to defi define and measure success in CPS, but they will share that information and so we all must stay tuned. We also know that the district is transitioning to a 21-member elected school board. To my knowledge, this will be the largest school board in the country. It's anyone guess how this will translate into better outcomes for students. We will have to wait and see and be patient. I continue to take an optimistic outlook on that, but I do believe as a person who leads and works in public education here in the city, it's important that we start to ask questions about how we are going to do this and do this successfully and keep students at the center of every single thing that we do. My focus will always be the same. Some of you have known me for decades and you know I've never wavered on the importance of academic excellence and opportunity for our students. And now is a time where we have to double down as a city. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my place on here, uh, but uh, I do want to take a minute, uh, just because I don't want to leave us on a not-so-optimistic note. Um, so I want to take a minute and just share a little bit more about how the model is working. For those of you who know me, you know I love a good data point. I never met a framework that I didn't like. But at the end of the day, this is really about students and the people that we're serving. I want to start by acknowledging Michaela Morrell, who is a Hope Scholar at Loyola, who is here today. Thank you, Loyola, for being in the room. Michaela is pursuing a degree in multimedia and journalism. She was the valedictorian at Al Raby High School for the class of 2022. She's also my mentee, so I got to put that out there. She was one of those students who told me she was not considering going to college before Hope Chicago because the cost of attending was too high. She is now feeding her passion at one of the most you know, competitive universities in this state, and she is now telling them stories about her community in Garfield Park, so both Loyola and Michaela are benefiting from this partnership. Next, I want to highlight Angie and Juliana Hernandez. Mother is Angie, daughter is Juliana, and they are amongst the first student-parent pair that we have at Hope Chicago. They live in Little Village. Mom is studying business at Western Governors University, while daughter is in the city college system and is interested in aviation. Next, we have Anthony Ruiz, who is in attendance today. Anthony Wave. Anthony graduated from high school and is now attending Kennedy King College with a major in applied science and automotive technology. Anthony told us that before he uh, heard about Hope Chicago, he was planning to go straight to work to help his family. And as he put it, when we talked the other day, they came over to the office to talk to the team. He said, the world has opened up to me. That's sweet. Um, finally, we have 
Graciela Espinoza, who chose a different path. She enrolled in a certification program, and in just five months, she has become a certified medical assistant. And she isn't able to join us today for a very good reason, because she just started a new job at Lori's Children's Hospital. I also hear that she plans to re-enroll in school in the fall and still plans to pursue a bachelor's degree in nursing, and hope Chicago has her back. Look, we have Hope Chicago scholars that are here with us today. I want to ask them to raise their hand and stand up to be acknowledged. I know they're like, why y'all make us come down here? Stand up so they can see and celebrate you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for making a difference and really proving that this is a worthwhile investment. They're also representing us and serving as ambassadors. They're advocating with us, with policymakers and lawmakers, to get more money for Hope Chicago, and we appreciate their efforts. They're doing that on top of all of their schoolwork. It has frequently been said that education is a civil rights issue. It's not just an economic imperative or moral obligation. It really is a social justice issue in this country that we just haven't done a good job addressing. It's the foundation of this democracy. It's the best and only way to disrupt cycles of generational poverty. And it's the best and only way to disrupt what I would think is a pervasive view that our students don't matter and they don't deserve enough. I may sound a little bit old-fashioned, but I still have tremendous faith in the power of education. I still have the same determination that I've always had to give young people an opportunity in this fast and ever-changing world. I still get the same jolt of energy every single day watching the light bulb turn on so that they can understand that the world is their oyster and that there are so many opportunities there for them. There is magic in education. There is promise in education. And that is why, dare I say, I have hope. Thank you for listening to me today. One of the things that I enjoy the most is um, listening to our featured speakers, but the reaction from when I feel like a room that looks like this has um, gained information. And that's what we're here for. Dan would say we're here to hold the conversation for Chicago. And I think you certainly have accelerated that today. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. Um, so I'm going to get right into questions. Um, if there are a few more, we're going to try to be close to time. President Preckwickle's in the house. Yes. So um, try to keep on time. But um, if you have a few, um, some of the questions she may have touched on during her conversation, if she did, please be gracious and understand that uh, we may not get to all of them. But I'm going to try to get to the ones we have. Ready? Yep. Okay. Um, so the first one I'd like to touch on is uh, from Paul Alt. Paul, are you here? Hi, Paul. Omar is not here, so Dan, I'm going to let you take care of that one today. We already know if you've been coming, you know what that means. That sounds like Omar from The Wire, right? Omar is coming. It means nothing like that at all. 
that has nothing to do with it at all, and he probably would not like me saying that. Omar is actually traveling today. Omar is our treasure. Omar Dagestani is our treasure, and he's always looking for those who are um, new to be members from the city for the city of Chicago. So um, Paul says, you led the creation of the healing-centered framework for CPS Chicago. How do you see this being implemented at a time when we all have experienced trauma, loss, and isolation due to community violence and the pandemic? Thank you for that question. Um, I think that the framework was implemented at a really important time, you know, pre-pandemic. It's no secret that students have experienced a lot of trauma. Um, I, you know, can't speak on behalf of the district. That's not my role anymore. But I think during the time there and what I've seen even from our Hope Scholars is that we can't really even measure the trauma that our students have experienced during this pandemic. And and also the resiliency um, of many of them because they have survived something that I think would have challenged many of us. I would also say that I feel like we've spent a lot of time focused on students' social and emotional support, and I think the district has done a good job of that, and there's more to come with investments in uh, more nurses and social workers and some of the other things that the district as well as the union have advocated for. I think we're moving in the right direction um, because I see this throughout the country because I happen to serve on the board for the Collaborative for Social-Emotional Learning. That said, I think we have to accelerate that and do a whole lot more. I also think we need to pay attention to the importance of mental health and social-emotional learning. It is under attack, just like critical race theory and all these other things that we know are good for students in the country. And so I think CPS is set up nicely to do that work, um, but I think more and more investment um, in that is needed. And so for those of you that have made investments in mental health and social-emotional learning for the district, I say Thank you. I don't think I can say it on their behalf. I'm just going to say thank you as a parent and person in the city that cares. (laughs) I mean, she is Dr. Janice Jackson, right? So this is a really, really good question, and it happens to come from the clerk of the city of Chicago. Um, It's a really good question. As a first-gen student, I was told by a high school counselor not to apply for my REACH school. Stop. How many people were told that in high school? That's crazy. And she went on, goes on to say, because of my test scores, how do you hold high school counselors accountable and include them in your vision for Hope Chicago? In my mind, I hear Maidi and Janice having a conversation about this. Literally, I hear them having a conversation, and I'd love to hear what, I could just be a fly on the wall and hear what you have to say, but I I really want to hear the answer to that question. Yeah. Unfortunately, stories like that, unfortunately, stories like that are all too common. But I will say, and I truly believe this, that we're in a much different space in Chicago. There has been maybe 20 years of sustained investment in college access um, here in the city, which people can talk about from different perspectives. Um, But I remember my time in Chicago public schools where I felt like students were cherry-picked for opportunities. Um, I talk about taking the ACT in high school. This is before CPS made every student take the ACT and SAT. And I've often wondered, how did they pick me to take the test? Who decided that I was college-bound and college-ready and probably at the same time decided that half the class wasn't? CPS has moved to more comprehensive um, uh expectations for all students. So we have things like learn, plan, succeed, where every student has to have a concrete post-secondary plan when they graduate. Every student has to take the SAT in order to graduate. We change the graduation requirements to meet college uh, readiness standards, right? And so this means every student has the things in their back pocket, should they choose to go to college, is there so that they don't 
you know, maybe figure out a year or two post high school that they want to go and not have that support. And so I think we're in a much different district now. Our principals lead in a way where college and post-secondary matters and our counselors and teachers have stepped up in really big ways. And all of the success that we talked about um, pre-pandemic and even some of the success we experienced today wouldn't happen without teachers and counselors really stepping up. Al Bertani, are you here? I feel like she kind of touched on your question. <laughs> she says, hey, Al. Um, I feel like she kind of touched on your question there. So I'm going to, Grant, I might need some help with this question. I sent you a text saying help a sister out here, but you kind of missed it. So he says, how do you, Graham, in case you all didn't know, Graham Grady, everyone. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's what happened. Yeah, Graham gets the standing ovation. How do you how do you feel about the current CPS accountability redesign undertaking, which has its goal to migrate away from the SQRP to something new? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. That's what I was. Yeah, SQRP is the old accountability system, school quality rating policy. Um, I think I said a lot about that already. Graham's trying to get me in trouble even more, but. <laughs> But to be honest, I wouldn't be true to who I am if I didn't speak on this. I believe in accountability in a positive way. Our students need it. Our students rely on it. And just like, you know, I try to turn. When we were in school, everybody had a teacher that said, I got mine, you got to get yours. We've all had that. I've had a bunch of those because I was the kind of kid who you needed to say that to in, in class. And we have to turn that narrative around and understand that if we're in those positions, we have been successful. And it's our responsibility to make sure that our students are successful. And if you don't track uh, accountability, if you don't track how students are performing, how are you going to make the necessary changes? And so I think we're moving in a direction where there's some positive things in there that they're going to look at more quantitative things and, you know, look at uh, funding and the disparities that exist there, and those things should be highlighted. But I am completely against anything that doesn't hold adults accountable when students are not successful. just factual, right? Um, I know that we have a lot of people who review data in here. Um, we got Torrance from Peoples. We've got Donovan, do you look at numbers? Okay. I, I give Donovan a hard time because of, because what? Prescriptions. Oh my goodness. Um, but I know that we have a lot of people in here who are looking at data, um, which is something that you, you know, you live and eat and breathe this stuff. Um, numbers don't lie. Right? Um, my son often says the math ain't math, and I guess that's something that the young people say. And that's just factual, right? Um, these numbers are daunting, and I need to go back and look at them because you went a little fast. Um, but I just think that it's so important to hear them. And if you did not, um, the beauty of our group is that you'll be able to go back and listen to it again if you want to go back and hear more information. Um, I'm sure Mr. McKeever's probably sitting there getting it all in his head, but not me. <laughs> Um, so Vanessa Hall from People, she's over here somewhere, where is she? Hi. Vanessa, says, what can we do to get university costs under control, and what is Hope Chicago doing to work on this? Well, I'm not an expert on that, and um, I've learned a lot switching over from pre-K through 12 to the university space, and so... I don't want to misspeak because I feel like especially the public institutions in the state of Illinois face the same challenges that I faced in CPS, which is we just don't have enough money to do what needs to be done. And so my first refrain is going to always be we need to fund public education from birth to college if we want to see better outcomes. 
number one. Um, I think that university leaders would be in favor of debt-free education if there was a way to pay for it. And so I can't speak on behalf of everybody, but that seems to be the sentiment. Um, the one thing that I'm hopeful for, and we've seen this and I said it in my remarks, is just more support for our students. Like the old way of sink or swim in college is just unacceptable, especially when students and families are taking a huge financial risk in order to do it. If you think about it, people are starting from a disadvantage and you're asking them basically to pay their way out of poverty, but they're paying way more than people who come from a different economic background, and that's just not okay. Maddie Collins, would you stand up? Where is she? Maddie simply says, as a grandmother of a Hope Scholar, she just wants to say thank you. Thank you, Ms. love that. <laughs> we would have a whole bunch of proud grandmas and grandpas and all that kind of stuff right about now. Um, so are you guys the ones that stand and just wait and quietly shake, clap your hands when someone's graduated? No. Yeah, there are some who do, right? There are some who do, right? Yeah, we're not of that crowd. Okay, we're, not. we're not of that group, no, no. Um, what I know for sure is that... Um, if you happen to be black or brown, or if you happen to be polka dot for that matter. Um, every accomplishment today means something, be it kindergarten, be it eighth grade, high school, post-secondary, whatever it is, it matters. And I don't get that from getting to know educators. I get that from seeing the kids and talking to them. So, yeah, I believe in every grandparent, every big mama, every celebrating everything. So give them the, so thank you, Grandma Maddie. And did you hear her say, you're welcome. She said, you're welcome. She did. So this next, and this will be our, our, our roundup question, is from Kathleen Caliento. Are you here, Kathleen? Where is she? Unless she skipped out. She was here. Maybe she tipped out. Okay. Um, her question, please let her know that we did get to her question. We know how important family support is, and in, is to continued success. How are you working to provide additional supportive services, you talked about this a little bit, to parents who need those support systems, child care, employment, health care, et cetera? Yeah. I am so glad she asked that question because I skipped over places in my remarks and did not acknowledge two of our very important partners who help us with this work, the Chicago Urban League, and our president is here today as well as Instituto del Progreso, who um, supports our families as well. So let's give them a round of applause. Look, one of the parts of our model is like we don't try to reinvent the wheel. And then more importantly, when other people know how to do something well, we just partner with them. And so for the parent program, because we didn't have the school system to rely on, we had to really create an infrastructure to support them, whether that be the parents that are looking for uh, employment or post-secondary opportunities. And we also work with the parents at large to really encourage them on how to support their scholars. We do that in partnership with the Urban League and Instituto because they're recognized leaders in the community. The parents trust them so they can connect with them a lot easier. And so we're really proud of um, that model. We also uh, partner with um, uh, with uh, programs who support our students to do this work. Um, One Million Degrees, 
college possible and bottom line. They were acknowledged in the PowerPoint, but I wanted to lift them up again. And they're also providing us with a wealth of information around how to support first-gen um, students. Sometimes those are students, sometimes those are parents, in order to go to school and be successful. And so HOPE does not um, try to do everything. We partner with the people who do it well, and we use the money that we've raised to support them. And in turn, we're supporting other community-based organizations. So if you know Janice Jackson, she takes care of the business first. She does not, I was sitting next to her one time and she was like, be quiet, I'm trying to get the numbers. I was like, am I talking too much? So what I know for sure is that um, Dr. Jackson means to make sure that we get the info first. Um, we did not miss the point that um, Hope Chicago is not just another scholarship program. We, we did not miss that. Everyone in the room got that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? So Chicago, born and bred, educated, stayed here, um, became a, every level of academic principal, superintendent, all the way to running the place to now moving on. Um, this is a major accomplishment. And I know there are some other Dr. Janice Jacksons that are coming up, um, but they just have to be supported, and thank you for doing so. Um, so I said all that to say this, that I've gotten probably five different messages that we are supposed to um, celebrate something today. And, but I was given very, very strict instructions that I could not say anything until everything was done. <laughs> so that's what you said, right? Okay, I didn't want people to think that. So now we can all say, with a rounding applause, one, two, three. Happy birthday. I know that. That was a bad secret. So... She just said, one, how does everyone in here know that? I, like and I then, posted all over social media and then, today. <laughs> and she said it was a really bad secret. So um, we've missed hearing this um, bevy of knowledge since 2019. We need to hear from you more often. So I'm sure Dan will take care of that. I don't. I try to stay in my lane around here. Um, this is, of course, your. I don't, you. This is your fourth speech. Yeah. So we think fourth. Amanda would tell us for sure, but uh, that's certainly. So every speaker gets a year membership that we hope they use. And what I will say for sure is that Dr. Jackson certainly uses hers. She comes frequently, and we appreciate your support being here. Um, I think that's it. I don't have my little checklist up here. Dan, am I forgetting anything? I think we're good. That's a thumbs up. Okay, so thank you everyone. Um, we don't take for granted anyone's attendance here. Um, it's important to have a sellout, but it's also more important to have the conversation. So thank you all so much. I know that you're going to want to talk to Dr. Jackson. We're going to do a couple of quick pictures. We are adjourned. Thank you. Oh, oh, somebody's got some flowers. Maggie's got flowers. There's okay. So we, we are adjourned. Thank you. <laughs>